0: Welcome to the Life, Success, and Legacy podcast. We're super excited. We are taking on a worthwhile endeavor at Life, Success, and Legacy. Our intention is to honor Nelson Nash, the man, as well as the infinite banking concept. We're going to create a series of resources, including podcast and text, as a resource for others who want to truly understand with depth and clarity what Nelson shared in his book, Becoming Your Own Banker as well as the many seminars and think tanks that we were fortunate to have attended during his life. So who is this intended audience? Well, we will use Nelson Nash's own words. It is written for the layman, not for financial advisors, but all life agents should be thoroughly knowledgeable of its content and practice. So whether you are an individual, part of a family, a business owner, or a life insurance agent, this is for you. So sit back, relax, and we will walk you through becoming your own baker step-by-step step so you can reference the parts you want to revisit at your own pace, and we might have a little fun along the way. I want to welcome everyone back to our uh, next edition of the Life, Success, and Legacy podcast. Thanks for joining us. Hope you all are doing well. I'm Chris Bay, and Mike Everett's the other guy on here, the, the good-looking guy over there. Morning. Morning. How are you doing?
1: very very well loving Good. loving we had, these podcasts by the way
0: absolutely the last one we did was a fun one for the skeptics but i can get a higher rate of return on page 69 <laughs> this one is uh, especially near and dear to my heart yep. um i think it probably is to you as well mike it,
1: yes it is
0: um and i know it was to nelson <laughs> yeah um, we are on page 71 in becoming your own banker And as we always say, if you don't have a copy, grab a copy off our website, lifesuccessandlegacy.com. This chapter is called An Even Distribution of Age Classes. And we want to get right to it because this one is uh, really important. Um, Nelson starts off with a verse uh, Mm -hmm. from Proverbs. He says, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. (laughs) I'm a legacy-minded kind of guy. Yes, you are. Think about the future. I think about future generations, and that's really important to me personally. Back in my education days, um, I did not believe that I would ever be able to leave a financial legacy for (laughs) my family. Right. And when IBC was introduced to me, one of the there were two things that were really important to me. Number one is that I was putting my money somewhere that was not at risk. That You know, it could disappear (laughs) like in 2008, it did for so many people. uh, Super
1: safe, super safe and guaranteed.
0: Guaranteed. And then secondly, that there's a death benefit attached to it. It's a banking concept, yes, but Nelson figured out that life insurance is the best tool Mm. for that purpose. And the fact that there's a death benefit attached to it that will benefit my beneficiaries, that is super important to me.
1: And then that's, that's part of the
0: concept to the future generations where it gets passed on.
1: Well, you know, touching on uh, what you just said, um, that, that is really thinking Mm long-term. So when we start to think about, you know, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, um, I too, even in the business that I was in, looked at where we were going to be when i turned 65 or turned 70 by the way i'm there and um i i was convinced that there would be uh nothing left in the bucket Mm -hmm. so you know from my standpoint when i was introduced to infinite banking i had just turned 50 years old and i literally said to myself I said mike you are doing this for future generations mm-hmm. i had zero idea of what i was saying at the time because we were just starting with a couple of policies and but i knew that eventually and i'm, I'm pushing down the road just a little bit i'm going to die yeah and when that happens the system will be self-sustaining, and we'll talk about that a little bit more as we get into this.
0: Right. So, as we've mentioned multiple times, Nelson was trained as a forester. Yeah. And he pull he leans on that experience here as he talks about an even distribution of age classes. In fact, there. If you have your book uh, to the listeners, if you have a book in front of you on page seventy one, he's got a a graph there where he shows. Um, how they process these these trees over time,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, Mike? Can you kind of uh, you know people can read Nelson's description, but can you kind of summarize the the general idea? Because what we're going to do is then we're going to take that concept and apply it to how we create IBC policies.
1: Well, basically, what because Nelson is a forester, he thinks long term. So in this particular example, he's got a four thousand acre setup where they've planted trees. So knowing that he's got this, he's going to put this out in a 40 year, uh, compartment, so to speak, where he's, where he's going to take out of these 40 years, he's going to take a hundred acres per compartment, and he's going to go in and he's going to plant and then cut and plant and cut at certain intervals mm-hmm. along the way in order to make all of these trees thrive. Right. It's really about thriving. And and, you know, I, I, I hate to bring this up, but this is exactly what California should have been doing along the way. They wonder why they're having all these fires. They haven't gone in and done what Nelson has suggested in going in and cutting out the smaller or the trees that aren't making it in order for the ones that are thriving to grow and flourish in the system.
0: So Nelson talks about um, how they will plant 500 trees in an acre at the beginning but right Then they do these these cuttings throughout and so they're using those cuttings as a profit right yep yeah what they're doing is they're eventually growing the healthiest biggest trees, uh, at the end, so out of 500 trees per acre, they may end up with 85 trees per acre.
1: Right, right. But but the 85 are going to be super healthy and growth and giant, and it mm-hmm. just works that way.
0: Yeah. And so they do this over many acres, and they do it over time. And and Nelson says, you know, this takes a long time. Yep. It it, it can take 40 years to to build the system
1: right oh and he talks about the trees being an income producer yes i i mean because forestry is an income producing business Mm -hmm. and so you know if you've got the smaller less healthy trees you want them out so the ones that are growing that they aren't stealing all the nutrients out of the earth in order for the bigger healthier ones to get bigger and healthier
0: and yet they're they're using those smaller ones that they take out for income
1: that's right yeah. That's right.
0: Yeah. So there's there's regular income intervals that are happening. That's right. Whole forestry thing. Now, if a forester was listening to the two of us yammer on about forestry, oh, they gonna would go... know in about five seconds that we are not trained in forestry.
1: We don't know anything about the forestry business. <laughs> we I'm do don't... know a
0: little bit about IBC though, <laughs> and Nelson is leading us down the road towards IBC. So at the top of the second column, he says, yeah. Something similar can be done with creating a banking system through life insurance, and it can become vastly more profitable, but it's going to require a thorough knowledge of the concept. It all can work like the following example. And he gives an example of of an older couple. He calls them an elderly couple. Talk us through what this elderly couple is doing.
1: Well, if you start to think about the elderly couple, you know, and we we talk about this in our in in our webinars and our boot camps, um, who is the generation that has the money?
0: Typically, the older generation.
1: Well, what's happened is you've gotten rid of your kids, you you've uh, you've you've established yourself in business, and then when you get to a place where you don't have a whole lot of expenses going out the door. You have these buckets of cash that you've got to figure out what to do with. Mm -hmm. And what's so super cool about this is uh, this elderly couple has four grandkids. By the way, I have three and uh, they've got two girls, two boys. And uh, it talks, they let you know that each of the sons have the grandkids. And what these grandparents are going to do is put $2,000 premiums per grandchild into a system and build the system, so if you go back to the forestry example what they're doing is they're actually planting trees, so to speak, in order to make this work, so they will retain ownership of those policies until their death or when their kids and or grandkids show responsibility that they could actually maintain the ibc system Mm -hmm. because i know we've talked about that at length with our own children
0: yeah so the so the grandparents essentially are taking two thousand dollars a year Putting it into an annual premium on each grandchild. Yep. And they're doing that for um, 22 years. 22 years. That's it. And they're maintaining ownership. They have listed the parents of the grandchildren as the contingent owners, most likely. Correct. So when the grandparents pass, that policy will naturally then transition to ownership to the parents of the grandchildren and they won't have ownership
1: i want to touch on this because mm-hmm. people are probably going i wonder why they're only paying the premium for 22 years because that represents one full generation mm-hmm. and so if we're thinking about an even distribution of age classes what we're doing is we're talking about future generations or in our particular vernacular we're talking about legacy mm-hmm. life, success and legacy, because yep. what we're doing is we're creating future legacies in, in, in the most easy, difficult way, <laughs> because that's helping people think through why they're doing what they're doing.
0: In, in this example, and I'm at the bottom of the second column on page 71. Um, I'm, I'm in the last Uh, full paragraph about, oh, probably the last quarter of the the column. Nelson says that after 22 years, the base premium, keeping in mind there's a base premium and a PUA, (coughs) the base premium can be paid by dividends from the policy itself from that point forward, surplus dividends by additional paid up insurance, which we've talked about that in the podcast. The net effect of this is that the policy can be continued with no additional outlay, yet the face amount and cash values continue to grow very significantly over the years. Do you have any comments on that um, where he actually stops paying the premiums and uses dividends to pay those premiums?
1: Well, you got to remember, Nelson uh, wrote the book in 99. Dividends were higher. uh, Rates of return were higher. Everything was higher. So keep in mind what you're doing is you're taking a 1999 example and we're trying to bring it to 2022 now realizing that rates of return are lower uh dividends are lower but yet you know we go back to some of our old podcasts it has a hundred percent to do with the control and the use of the dollars that we have available it is immaterial of the fact that these people decide to Uh, stop paying the premiums in year 23 and allow dividends to pay the uh, the premiums because it has everything to do with the design of the policy which we are very adept at and we would make sure that if we have a grandparent that's coming to the table and wants to do this we would design the policy accordingly yeah to do the same exact thing
0: yeah we just in fact this week did a, did a are doing an application for um one of our one of our clients who has a brand new uh grandbaby hazel and uh hazel's not even fifteen days old yet and he's already starting the application process because <laughs> he wants that thing in place a s a p in fact he has another grandchild who's not insurable mm. um, and so he's unfortunately um, he's learned that Hey, let's get this thing done 15 at, days.
1: At, let's get it done.
0: Days old. And you've done that, Mike, right? Talk about, uh, talk about the policies that you've done for your grandchildren. And, and you've even added some addition, an additional rider to yours. Right.
1: So, uh, you know, because of this whole, uh, this whole section right here, I looked at this and I go, this just makes total sense. So mm-hmm. with, with my two young or oldest grandkids who are now 12 and no, 11 and nine. My goodness. They're 11 and nine. Uh, no, they're not. They are 12 and 10. They are 12 and 10. I've got to think about I'm, this. I'm going to you know?
0: send this podcast to their parents.
1: Oh my gosh. I tell you. So, <laughs> so what we've done is we have literally bought policies when they were little, little, little. Mm. So, uh, I didn't quite completely understand it when my first grandchild, when Lila was born, So I waited till she was almost two Mm -hmm. with Hunter. I waited till he was one. And let me tell you what, if anybody is listening and paying attention, this might be the most important thing Buy a policy on your grandchild when they are 15 days old,
0: don't care what size it is.
1: I'm going to tell you start (laughs) as little or as big as you possibly can. And there's a reason why I'm telling you this. So I, I will touch on this. With Emmett, my last grandchild, who is now two and some change years old, we did one when he was 15 days old. Boom, they're all $2,000 policies, by the way. But the reason why you do this is because with the craziness that we have going on in our world, we had uh, Hunter came up and he would have been uh, probably five and a half almost six years old, and he ended up having. Type 1 diabetes. We have no diabetes, no type 1 diabetics in our family in, 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 on either side.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Two years later, two and a half years later, Lila comes up with type 1 diabetes. Now, if you're thinking like a life insurance guy, is type 1 diabetes one of those things that throws out the chance of them getting future life insurance? 100%. But with both of my kids what I, or grandkids, what I did was I not only bought the policies, but then I put this thing on there called a Guaranteed Insurability Option, GIO. What that does is when they get into their mid to late 20s, it gives you increments where you can add additional life insurance without proving insurability. Now, how important do you think those are? it's gigantic
0: and it's cheap
1: it's super cheap so i you know to be honest with you i don't even know what the cost is on those well i
0: just ran this illustration for our our client this week and um, with the company that we are running this illustration you had the options at these age intervals right so at anywhere from five thousand dollars of death benefit up to fifty thousand dollars right but you know in that spectrum you can choose what you want we maxed it out. We did $50,000 of extra at each age interval that they list. And it's an option. It's a choice yeah, that's you not right. to, but it's an option. But it was 31 bucks a year.
1: It's nothing. It's nothing. If you think about if we're, what we're doing in here is a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Mm-hmm. So now what we're doing is we're literally thinking about their grandchildren. Yeah. So you talk about thinking long-term that's thinking long-term.
0: When I even think about um, for Hunter and Lila down the road, should they be married? Oh, how abs- grateful will their spouse be that Pops, being you, yep. was on his game and started policies <laughs> when they were little? Now that spouse doesn't have to worry because their spouse, Hunter and Lila, they have coverage. That's right. How important is that? Oh and my that was gosh. a decision that was made decades ago.
1: That's right. That's right and uh you know that that becomes an emotional game then at that point in time when you realize that what you've done is you have affected future generations in the absolute most positive way not only have you given them life insurance but you've given them a bucket where they can go and they can learn how to finance stuff that they buy that's right ah, so okay, i'm gonna pull you
0: pull you away from the emotional ledge sorry now. sorry oh, I,
1: I got lost there <laughs> no you're good
0: so uh turning over to 72 and 73 in the book, Nelson uses a couple of paragraphs to describe what's actually happening on page 73 and 74, which is an illustration. Right. And you're great at talking people through these illustrations and, and <clears throat> what happens over time. Will you show us what's happening with this little, you know, starting at year zero for this child and what happens over time?
1: Well, so literally, and I, I'm going to just jump over to the illustration on page seventy-three, so people yeah, can yeah. get an yeah people can get an idea. You know, when you, when you buy a policy on a on a newborn, they they are zero; they're not one year old yet. But what you're doing is, you're, and we'll touch on this just briefly. Remember, part of our education that we've gotten as infinite banking coaches is to be able to design the policy accordingly. So we have base premium and we have PUA premium. Um, This particular one was done, obviously, when interest rates were higher, when dividends were higher and uh, internal rates of return on the policies were a little higher. So there was a difference in the allocation of the way the base and the PUA were able to happen. It's really neither here nor there we allow the system to actually determine what the base and the paid up addition, uh, premiums are now. And because we want what they call max accumulation inside the policy. So we're turning around and, and for 22 years, we're, we're throwing $2,000 into this thing. So if you're just doing easy math, you've got a, a grandma and grandpa, have put $44,000 into this thing, and in this particular example, if you go over to the next to the last column, they have $101,000 available if they choose to borrow money. Now, if you've put $44,000 in and you have $100,000, that's easy math to figure out what kind of rate of return that is.
0: By the way, there's over 600,000 of death benefit in addition to that.
1: Yeah. And that's neither here <laughs> nor there, but if something weird happens, you know, well, that money
0: it, it that, would mean something to their future spouse though.
1: That's exactly right. But you have dollars that comes back into the family circle very, very quickly. If the worst case scenario happens now, in in the early part of this podcast chris talked about what we do is we stop paying premiums in year 23 and we allow the dividends to pay the base premium which in this particular case is only six hundred dollars now the dividend in this particular example is forty six hundred dollars <laughs> um, that pays a that pays a premium pretty easy. Um, Then the additional dollars go to buy paid up insurance, which adds to the base, which increases the dividend year after year after year. So keep in mind, this is super great. Now, if you go down, and I'm going to go down to the 50th year, this child, grandchild is only 49 years old, I'm going to go over to the cash value They have 860,542 in, I I lied, it's 909,181 and they have $2.2 million in death benefit.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Now I am, I am 66 years old and that's where I am now at the two point i'm at 2.4 million dollars so how beneficial and my premiums are not two thousand dollars a year. (laughs) Because I I start.
0: what you're saying is the sooner you start. Oh man think long term and capitalize that these things will take care of future issues.
1: You know, one of the things I wish I would have hit on in our last podcast is. You know, we talked about this in line twenty-four and line twenty-eight on page fifty-nine of the equipment financing. Mm-hmm. When when the nineteen thousand four hundred dollars, and I'm somebody's gonna have to go back and do a little little investigation while we're doing this, but they paid the nineteen four in the interest or the premium, yeah. and it created seventy-four thousand dollars. Now, when do you want twenty-eight the twenty-eighth year to happen? As soon as possible. Yep. So if you would have waited five years to start your plan, then this number would have been half of that number. So the sooner you start, the better it gets. I'm just telling you, and that's not a sales ploy. It's just a fact of life. Our our friend
0: Mike Kwong always says, when you wait, it's not the first year that you're losing out. Uh -uh. It's the last year's that you're losing out. Oh man, when you look at what happens in the last year's, in fact, Mike, let's just turn over to 74.
1: I'm already there.
0: And, and you pick the age. I don't know if you want to pick 66 since it's your age. Yeah. So
1: at 66 years old, check this out, slide over to the next to the last column. Remember, they're not paying premium. We're allowing the dividend to pay the premium. They have $3 million. In cash value available to use in whatever they want to do. And if they die, they pass on $4.896 million. Yeah. Now, think about this for one second. How much did they put in premiums? (laughs) $44,000. This, in this particular example, it doesn't even show them utilizing IBC and and policy loans, right? It is really just cash on cash, and showing you what's available. But if you just go down to age 70, 71, one, isn't that about the time people want to start taking an income? Yeah, yeah, in the net premium, you can see the negative $225,000. So literally, at age 70, this particular grandchild starts pulling out $225,000 a year. And I'm just gonna use the example, we're gonna go down to age 85 and let's just pretend that they die. Mm -hmm. They still pass on $6.3 million. What's
0: interesting interesting to me is even though they're pulling out $225,000 a year in income, the cash value is still increasing.
1: <laughs> well, Death if you look benefit,
0: at it, you'll see takes a little bit of a decrease, but then it recovers and it starts increasing as well.
1: Yeah. Well, if you look at the annual dividend, the dividend is more than what they're taking out. That's why the increase. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, it ends up being a win, win for every single person.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, I'm going to jump back over to page 72 just for fun.
0: I know you would.
1: I'm telling you because this is really... uh, These particular items are hardly ever touched on in webinars, in boot camps, in even conversations that we have with people.
0: Are you on the bullet bullet points? I'm on to the bullet points. Okay, so page 72 for our
1: listeners. And it's in the second column so. Man i'm telling you, you know who I have this conversation with I have this conversation with agents, they call me and they go why IBC you know they're new they're wondering why they're and I go you know we can talk about all this stuff. But i'm going to tell you i'm going to touch on every single one of these bullet points number one. It covers multiple generations and promotes long range planning so if i'm buying policies on me my kids my grandkids is that long range planning. You better believe it underwriting problems are minimized my two grandkids that have type one diabetes, they do not ever have to go through underwriting again. We have set the, the ball in motion and when those intervals come up and they can buy additional policies. with no proof of insurability, that is a win-win. Tax-free buildup of cash values over a long period of time. The way we design the policies, and we really design the policies exactly the way Nelson designs them in the book. What you're doing is you're guaranteeing that these buildup of cash values are going to get bigger year after year after year, and you as the policy owner Cannot do anything about it. You win.
0: I love the guarantees.
1: Yeah. Outlay is very small compared to the ultimate yield. If you even go over here on the, on the example, this, the, this grandparents put $44,000 in, and there's $101,000 in cash value. There's $654,000 of death benefit. Who would not want this to happen? Uh, by the way, that's long term thinking, you gotta think long term, Uh, the generation paying the premiums can most afford them, who's the who's the folks that got the money, it's the old people, let them do what they need to do. I'm telling you, uh, if anybody is listening, and you I don't care if you're 20, 30, 40, go tell your parents and your grandparents about this, get them excited about creating a legacy for your family. Uh, it's just how how much
0: do grandparents want to contribute and support their grandchildren Uh,
1: as much as they possibly can
0: yeah and so for a thousand three thousand somewhere in that range a year it's nothing when you could create something like this for your so if you think
1: about this you know what you're doing is and if you just go back to some of these basic things what are some of the things that the grandkids are going to do oh they're probably going to buy a car They're probably going to go to college. They're probably going to get married and they're probably going to buy a house. What would what would you do if you had 100, 200, $300,000 sitting in here? Could you then finance their cars? Could you then finance their education? Could you finance their wedding? Could you finance their mortgages? You're talking about taking family circles, man, you're in my area now (laughs) and getting your family circle as big as it can, because those dollars are going to go somewhere. Why not have them go to your family circle?
0: And one of the beautiful things is as, as your grandchildren are growing up before their frontal lobes have fully developed and they can actually (laughs) think clearly (laughs) who controls the whole process.
1: Grandma and grandpa.
0: They're the owners and they control the whole thing.
1: And then you're getting an opportunity to educate them along the way. Mm -hmm. When death benefit occurs, the system becomes self-sustaining. Guess what, folks? I'm going to die. <laughs> you're going to die. So if all of a sudden you have policies in place, and I don't care if it's a half million, a million, two million, it doesn't make any difference. What you're doing is you're um, you're pushing money back into the family circle for the next generation to be able to utilize. When it's, it's when a,
0: Nelson, at the end of his life, went to David and he said,
1: "Oh David, man, have,
0: have you got some pretty sizable." Loan balances, because they had done some remodeling policy loan
1: house. balances. That's policy right. Policy
0: Loan balances. And Dave was kind of like, well, yeah. And, and Nelson was like, good. You're going to need it. Place you're going to need money. it.
1: Yeah. And then within a year, mm-hmm. Nelson was gone. But yet, you know, the creator, the inventor of the infinite banking concept. And, you know, it, it would almost blow my mind how many, how many policies Nelson probably had on himself.
0: Yeah, I so, have no idea. I know. he had am uh, total. But I have yeah. no idea. He I,
1: and I and I don't either. And it's immaterial. But he, here's the here's the great thing about it. You know, people when they're thinking about life insurance, how much life insurance do you want? And I'm going to tell you, I'm, this is exactly what I say to people, as much as I can possibly get. Because eventually, those dollars flow down into the next generation. <laughs> it, it, it's just so it you, pre- you almost
0: sounded like Needlenose Ned from uh,
1: from Groundhog <laughs> yeah. Day.
0: You know, the great thing about life insurance, you can't ever have enough.
1: Yeah, that's, <laughs> oh, my gosh, it precludes the need for uh, Social Security. So literally, if you've got a million dollars or two million dollars in cash values, do you need Social Security? You don't. Um, passive income is assured. If you've got a policy that's growing by $200,000 and you're only taking out $150,000 a year, is this thing still growing? It's growing like a weed. Estate planning is greatly simplified. In our previous podcast, we talked about trusts. You know what? A trust and a life insurance policy are almost the same exact thing. Do you really need all of this extra estate planning? If you've got life insurance policies in place, you've got your beneficiaries, you've got your your contingent owners, you've got your contingent beneficiaries. Really, you've got the grantor, you've got the trustee, you've got the beneficiaries already in place. They're like kind documents. It's unbelievable. And guess who controls all of it? The owner. Yeah. The wealth mentality is transferred to succeeding generations over a long period of time to produce consistent understanding. They are learning a process. They're not buying a product. So as we're utilizing these policies throughout our lifetimes, our kids are watching, our grandkids are watching. They're able to go, you know what? I probably need to invest some time and energy, you know, and, and, you know, it's, it's a great thing. It promotes understanding of what stewardship is all about. It's really about stewarding the dollars that, that God has blessed us with, that are allowing to flow through our hands. Yeah.
0: Whew, that's some. Well, serious- I, I like how Nelson ends that up. He says, "Money won't buy happiness, but poor stewardship of money will steal happiness."
1: And right. uh, and we know this. Yeah, you know, we talk to we talk to families all the time, and what is one of the number one pressures? Money, oh. cash flow. And if there's somehow we can take just a little bit of that pressure off of them, they're going to be able to enjoy life just a little bit more. They're going to be able to utilize their dollars in a much, much more efficient way.
0: You know, there are some um, IBC coaches out and about. um, I think especially of some of our friends up in Canada who really have made a priority of making their family banking system a family event where they have annual meetings and all these kinds mm. of things and i really applaud them for that um i think that nelson is giving a nod to that how he wraps up this chapter with uh, the verse from proverbs he says be sure uh, the 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 verse says be sure you know the condition of your flocks give attention to your herds for riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. Mm. And that to me is really, really, that's wisdom right there. Because it is. If if Mike Everett, if you jump off this earth and you leave a bunch of money to your kids, grandkids, et cetera, but they don't understand the concept, what's gonna happen to that money?
1: They're gonna blow it. <laughs>
0: And they're not going to reinvest it in banking systems and nope. so forth. And so nope. to me, and that's part of why we do this podcast <clears throat> and why we talk about our organization at Life, Success and Legacy being about education. Yep. And it is upon us to educate our children and future generations about how this can work. Otherwise, the money means nothing.
1: It means it nothing. It will
0: disappear. Go go read What Would the Rockefellers Do, which is a comparison of the Vanderbilt family and the Rockefeller family. And you can see a comparison of when education is carried from generation to generation and when it is not.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Anything you want to close up with on this uh, this chapter?
1: No, this is an exciting this is an exciting chapter, you know, and it, it makes me realize that I've done a so-so job and in, in training my own children my grandchildren at this point in time you know i'm i'm always nose to the grindstone let's go 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 and uh i'm not taking enough time to know the condition of my own flocks
0: it's important I it I is share a, a personal example and we've we've done a so-so job of it as well but at one point we um, offered uh to our daughters money because that's what speaks to them right <laughs> And we would offer them money for learning about things that are important to us because we're already giving them money. Right. Right. In their teen years, we're handing out money all the time so they can go to lunch with their friends and things like that. It's that window between before they can actually earn money, but they want money. And so what we did is we just offered to pay them a certain amount of money to learn about things we cared about. That's For right. example, if they came to one of our boot camps, we yeah. would pay them like the amount of dollars. Yeah. And what you're doing is you're paying, you're giving them money to learn about the things you that are important to you and to your family. And then we asked them to write a two-page paper on what they learned, right? Well, it's so key. Th- those are ways that our listeners can encourage that learning about things mm-hmm. that are important to them, like infinite banking. I'm going to wrap up with a selfless plug. Let's do it. Because this chapter is, is what inspired this book. This is Family Banking with Purpose. Um, it's a story, and I want to highlight that. It's a story about financial freedom through infinite banking. It is not a technical book. So if you've been listening to our podcast and, and you're just not a technically minded person, you learn through the context of stories and things like that, this is a parable. It is a story. There are no numbers. There's no charts, nothing. No story about how a family created a family banking system. And it can inspire a lot of ideas of how you can use IBC for your family and for future generations. So you can get this um, off of our website at Life Success and Legacy. It is short. It's like 80 some 60 some pages long. And I always tell people, yeah, 68 pages long, I tell people, if if you can't finish this book in an hour and a half, then you fell asleep.
1: And I won't take that <laughs> personally. So
0: thanks to our listeners for joining us. Um, our next uh, podcast will be a different look at the monetary value of a college degree. Um, having a daughter who just graduated and one who's in college, this will be a fun conversation to, to discuss. Thanks to our listeners. Check us out at Life, Success & Legacy. Mike Everett, thanks as always.
1: All right, thank you.
0: All right, take care.